7.31 and 22 North Korean competitors will compete in the Winter Olympics in just over two weeks from now, while only their figure skaters are deemed as being capable of qualifying in their own right and they missed the deadline to do so. This uh, is a country that does take sport very seriously and indeed has won 54 medals during summer Olympic events. And some of their summer stars will be put out in force as the uh, North will be uh, putting on a taekwondo demonstration performance in Seoul as well as Gangneung. So let's first bring in George, or Dr. George Vitale, long-time International Taekwondo Federation member and taekwondo historian. Thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, it's my great pleasure. I'm very honored to, to be on your show and very helpful to help uh, your audience learn a little bit more about taekwondo. Well, one of the immediate sources of confusion for me in... Um, even just researching your background is is the the various titles that we see in taekwondo the international taekwondo federation the world taekwondo organization or federation w2tf as it used to be known now wt right uh, and and some of that seems to be uh, splits and factionalism but some of it is also a split between north and south korea can you help clear up the confusion for us Yes, okay, so there's only one Taekwondo, and I believe in my heart, uh, Taekwondo is Korea's greatest gift to the world. But Taekwondo is a practice in many different ways, and in many places around the world, the emphasis and focus is different. So in South Korea, you have had a, a focus on the sports side, which has been very successful, in a, in a, and it eventually... Uh, earned them an official Olympic sports status. But the common misperception is that ITF Taekwondo is from North Korea. No, it's from South Korea. It was formed in Seoul, Korea back in 1966. It moved to Toronto, Canada in 72 when the founder, General Che Hung-hee, who actually made the Taekwondo name and, and first started to put the system together, uh, was forced to flee to live a life in exile to escape political persecution. It wasn't until 1980 that he introduced Taekwondo to North Korea. So in North Korea, they actually do South Korean Army or the Rock Army Taekwondo. It is the original Taekwondo, and I say original because he named it and first applied it to a system he was developing in the Army for the soldiers under his command. And the first Korean Taekwondo patterns, or Pumse, were called Warang, Chungmu, Uji, Gaebek, these great Korean military leaders from the past. Because, as you know, Korea was so dominated uh, during the Japanese colonial uh, empire days that its history and culture suffered tremendously. So in the 50s, when Taekwondo was being born, there was a great drive for, to reinstill Korean culture and reinvigorate Korean pride. And Taekwondo played a leading part in that in Korea. And then it also played a leading part in introducing the world to Korea and to help identify and build the Korean identity globally. But what happened in 1961 was a split where on the civilian side, the leaders there were practicing what they called Taesudo. And uh, in the beginning, the, you know, seven Koreans 
went abroad during occupation time mm. and studied martial arts, mostly from Japanese sources. Then they opened up these Korean karate schools back in Korea, which taught very basic rudimentary karate. And it was these Koreans like General Che Hung-hee and some people on the civilian side that started making Taekwondo or what they were calling Tangsudo or Kangsudo or Kwan Bup in those days. They wanted to make it more Koreanized. And the General Che came up with the name Taekwondo. The civilian side rejected that name, preferring Taesudo instead. But when General Choi came back to Korea after his diplomatic assignment as the first ambassador to Malaysia, he forced them to also take the Taekwondo name. Yes. He had some political power at that time. But by this time, there was two different entities. So the focus from 65 was now confused by two different entities sharing the same name. It's an amazing story. It really is fascinating, yes. uh, I and, think. And, you know, when, when you throw in all the political intrigue, because South Korea during those times had a lot of growing pains, coming from an occupied country, trying to make it on its own, having a brutal civil war, devastating civil war, and then the constant uh, face of more conflict with, with the other half of Korea, it, it re- the, the history of Taekwondo really re- reads like a spy novel. I mean, the intrigue and and all the Cold War drama. The Cold War ended in the 90s, but unfortunately on the Korean Peninsula, it's still very, 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 very well much alive, sadly speaking. And 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 I've got to ask you about this uh, demonstration team, because that's one of the main reasons we're now thinking about North Korea's interpretation of Taekwondo or whatever style of taekwondo it practices mm-hmm. do you expect when you see this demonstration squad here in south korea to see anything particularly different from what we're used to in south korea oh it's dramatically different there's no question uh in 2015 in the wt world champs in chelabinsk russia i was there and the whole world seen uh uh the two uh, demonstration teams performed side by side, as we did this past June in Muju, which, by the way, directly led to uh, the North sending this uh, Olympic delegation. Uh, Taekwondo has always played a diplomatic role with this soft diplomacy. And uh, the ITF Taekwondo is very, very much sport uh, uh, non-sport focus, but martial art focus, self-defense. So you, you'll see a harder style uh, with this uh, uh, self-defense focus. Uh, the WT is very, very modern, very, very flashy. You'll see a lot of music, a lot of glitter. Uh, they are equally talented, and I actually like the WT demonstration in Russia more. Why? Because it was so fresh and new for me, plus mm. exciting with the music and whatnot. But they are two different uh, uh, styles almost completely. But of course, you know, turning kick, dola chagi, yup chagi, side kick, up chagi, front kick, it's the same. Dr. Uh, Vitale, the way you be- yes. I- I'm sorry to jump in because we've got another guest that we want to bring in on, sure. on the Olympics, mm-hmm. but, but f- sure. it's wonderful to, uh, to hear your enthusiasm, your passion for Taekwondo, but also for sharing what is an incredible history. Uh, mm-hmm. I hope you enjoy what goes on with the Olympics as well. Well, uh, maybe, maybe I'll see you there because I'll be accompanying the, the team from North Korea. 
uh, next month. So hopefully uh, it will be great for Taekwondo. It will be great for the Korean people. You know, a lot of people just nervous coming to the Korean Peninsula because of the heightened tensions. Now that the North is engaging and going to have a team there, at least one side benefit of this will be many, many more people will be more, more at ease. Dr. Vitale, thank you for joining us. No, thank you. Thank you very much. You have a great day now. You too. Dr. George Vitale, ITF member, Taekwondo historian, actually also an instructor in New York. Um, And uh, let's broaden the discussion. A A dozen North Korean ice hockey players will not just be demonstrating their skills, but actually be merging with their South Korean counterparts to form a unified team at Pyeongchang 2018. So they're the bulk of the the North Korean competitors, the 22 altogether. Um, Although there has been a petition signed by more than 50,000 citizens here to block the move, uh, and and coach Sarah Murray admitted she hadn't been really informed about it, that drove some of the uh, disappointment. Although since then she's been pretty clear uh, that uh, only players who earn their places on the ice will actually get game time and, and that she's the one in charge. Let's discuss how they can actually create a, a unified spirit and make the most of the games with Dr. Mike Bracco, skating coach, sports physiologist based in Calgary, Canada, a mecca for ice hockey uh, and yes. the director of the Institute for Hockey Research. Thank you very much for speaking with us. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for Thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure to talk about well, hockey in general, but especially women's hockey and then women's Olympic hockey. Well, well, Sarah Murray and the Murray family, I presume you know uh, a bit about. Um, do you have a lot of sympathy for her uh, being told to welcome these 12 North Koreans into her team? Really, at the last minute. They're not even here in South Korea yet, and uh, their first game is set for February 10th. Yes, I, I have a tremendous amount of sympathy for her. Um, it, uh, from what I understand in reading and doing some research for this interview, it, it sounded like it kind of came out of the blue and, and Sarah and her team were playing in, uh, playing some, uh, some exhibition games in the U S and then when they arrived back in, uh, in Seoul, they were, they were told of this, uh, at the airport. Um, so I do sympathize her, but <clears throat> you know, she's, She's a very smart coach because coaches and, and players are always taught not to focus on issues over which they have no control. And so it sounds like, you know, Coach Murray really doesn't have any control over the decision for this. And in fact, I, I, obviously she doesn't. And so from what I have been reading, again, in preparation for the, for the interview, um, it, it sounds like she's she's focusing on the things that she has control of. So this is a good way to focus attention on what's needed to have peak performance. Um, so that is to say, if Coach Murray was was angry and was dwelling on the decision of adding the players to her team, she wouldn't be focusing on preparing her team and her players for the best performance possible in the Olympics. Mm. Um, so. I, I'm sure what her and her coaching staff are doing is developing a plan to make the best situation, make the best of this situation, um, and how she's going to use all of her players, whether they are uh, from South Korea or North Korea. It's been a challenging time for her, presumably already anyway, and we've, we've spoken to her on the show about uh, how she's adapted to uh, life in oh, yeah. South Korea, uh, yeah. and then to welcome, at the last minute, 12 North Koreans. Is there, on the flip side, is there an advantage to her? The, the team 
has not been、um, a world beater particularly. Was not tipped for a medal, for example. To have twelve additional players, if if just a couple of them improve the team,、mm-hmm. in theory, is, is that potentially something that's a good thing?、Uh, actually, there's there's always there's always the other the other side of the coin, or the on on the other hand, and so、um, we could. Could look at it from a positive perspective in the sense that、um, by doing this,、uh, the, uh, the the IOC, North Korea and South Korea, are getting、um, more exposure for female hockey. And、uh, women's international hockey needs to do everything possible to help countries like South Korea and North Korea improve their hockey programs, but also to Uh, as I said before, to increase the exposure, I guess primarily within the, their country, but also the, the exposure th- throughout the world, and、um, this is really important in, in women's international hockey because,、uh, unfortunately, there's really only two competitive countries in most of the female ice hockey tournaments, and that's Canada and the U.S. Now, having said that, teams like Russia and Sweden. Are slowly improving, but、uh, in this year, this Olympics, it'll be 20 years since w-、uh, women are playing hockey for a, for a medal, and、um, we need to do everything possible to try to improve、uh, the performance of some of these other these other countries. So, what what could possibly happen out of this is that <clears throat>、uh, coaches from North America, from Canada, and、uh, United States. Uh, may have the opportunity to go to North Korea or maybe even South Korea. Although I know there's some North Americans in South Korea right now. Obviously, Coach Murray and the and the coach of the men's team,、um, but some North American coaches like like myself, maybe skating coaches and skills coaches, could go to North Korea、uh, to help improve their program. And so again, it's it's. Greater exposure for female hockey, and potentially we could try to improve, or they could try to improve their team in both South Korea and North Korea. Did that answer your question? Yeah, well, absolutely.、Um, it, it's important to look at the angles here.、Uh, I think、yeah. some of the players are realizing there's a bigger sacrifice than just ice time and a bigger potential benefit as well. The the other question I wanted to ask you: How?、Um, Amenable is hockey as a sport to a fairy tale. We we all love Olympic fairy tales, but but when you've got a team that's unfancied anyway, and now with this whole North Korean dimension, it looks like a movie in the making. But if they come up against Canada, for example, do they have any chance of an upset? There's always a chance of an upset. The best example of that is in, was in 1980 when.、Uh, The United States Olympic team went, and which were, was made up of a bunch of、uh, college hockey players. So the U.S. team in 1980 in the, in the Olympic Winter Olympics in Lake Placid was, was made up of college hockey players, and they went against the, the Russians. And at that time, the Russians were basically professional hockey players. I mean, they were supposedly in the army. And so the fairy tale there is that the Americans. Beat the Russians and then went on to beat. I think it was Finland or Sweden, and they they won the gold medal. So there was there was no way that the the Americans should have or could have beat the the Soviets at that time the the Russians, but they did. 
So that's the ultimate fairy tale. Um, so any, anything is ha- anything is possible in hockey. I mean, granted, yes, it's it, it's a it's a far reach to to say <clears throat> the possibility of a of a combined South and North Korean female hockey team beating Canada or the United States, but <laughs> a precedent has been set. So there's always that chance of a fairy tale. Indeed, we like the idea of keeping that story alive for now at least dr bracco thank you very much for joining us today you're very welcome it's my pleasure very nice talking to you well i'm sure the pleasure has been all of ours dr mike bracco director of the institute for hockey research and these subjects of course they are very interesting they do deserve more attention and if you want to keep the conversation going you can text us powder sharp 1013 for 51 per message